You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Hey, God's doing incredible things across our church, isn't he? Um, I think we should just take a moment and put our hands together and just thank God for all the incredible things he's doing in Elam Christian Center. Well, it's such an honor to be back here again for the 5 p.m. service. You always wonder as a preacher, did I do well? The test of that is if you get invited back, all right? Um, well, I'm gonna do things a little bit differently tonight. Firstly, I just want to apologize because if, I, if my preaching comes across angry, it's because really I'm hangry. Uh, we've been on a diet for the last week and a bit, and so that's a celebration in itself, isn't it? But I'm gonna do things a little bit differently tonight. Uh, usually I would spend at a, at a church a bit of time buttering you up with a funny story, uh, but we're, tonight we're going to get straight into God's Word. Um, and, and in fact, it's a lot of verses, so good news for you is if you haven't read your Bible in a while or if you've been going along a reading plan, missed it, I got you covered. All right, we're going to jump straight into it in cha- uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 40 to 56. It says this, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, ex- uh, uh, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl about twelve, was dying. And as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. "Who touched me?" Jesus said. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, what are you talking about? The people are all crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told him why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your, dear, your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she'll be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that, what, that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. God bless the reading of his word tonight. Hey, I'm going to pray before we get straight into it. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is alive and active. God, we thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we thank you that your word goes out, and it will accomplish what you seek it to do. And so tonight, oh God, I pray for hearts healed, lives changed that would never be the same in Jesus' name. God, I pray, and I give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, my beautiful five-year-old daughter, as she was introduced, uh, she's an incredible little girl. Uh, We love this story. In fact, her favorite story is the story about Jairus and the daughter. My favorite story is the story about the woman with the issue of blood. And she loves this story so much so that one time we got so invested into the story. We were there, now you gotta know about me, I'm Pentecostal in terms of I'll drive on E and naively expect God to fill up my tank. My daughter, listen, my daughter on the other hand, she is crazy costal. All right, we were reading this story and she got so excited about what we'd read. She started lining up every single teddy bear along her room and she said, Daddy, 
I'm going to pray like Jesus prayed. And I said, all right. And then she just went, she laid her hands on the teddy. She said, little teddy bear, in the name of Jesus, get up. And she got so invested in the story. Um, yeah, she's, she's crazy. Pray for her. But uh, see, what I love about it is that we started going. We were just really enjoying the story. She started praying hard out for these teddies. She got a little bit too carried away. She started hitting them too hard. All of a sudden, she had a healing service. Some of them came up praying in other tongues. Other of them came up speaking in strange voices. And so she, no word of a lie, she came up with this herself. She looked at the teddy bears. She said, come out in Jesus' name. <laughs> All right, we loved the story. We were so invested during this Bible time about what we were reading. We were enjoying each other's presence, each other's company. We were enjoying the word of God. We were just enjoying just being together and we were laughing, having so much fun. But all of a sudden, all of that came to a sudden stop as the most innocent words came out of her mouth. She looked at me and she said, Daddy, it's my turn. I'll be the little girl who dies and you be the dad who prays. I was so taken back, I was so shocked and taken back by what she had said, everything in my world stopped. In fact, as I went back to read this story again, I was so taken back that I found myself not only as a reader of the story, but as a participant in the place and emotions of Jairus. I found myself as I was reading the word of God, as I was reading this story, I found myself as a dad coming to Jesus, seeking a miracle for his little girl's life. I've titled this message tonight, if you're taking notes, Barriers to Faith. Everyone say Barriers to Faith. See, one of the things which I was confronted by as I journeyed through this story, again through Jairus' story, what becomes seemingly apparent as you read through it were the many barriers and obstacles that Jairus had to face in order to get to that miracle. See, which if he'd allowed it to, friend, let me tell you tonight, if he'd allowed it to, it would have crippled him, deterred him, discouraged him, and hindered him from stepping out and believing and having faith in God to see that thing happen. See, tonight I want to say to us that Jairus overcomes some barriers that, friend, you and I all face when it comes to having faith in God, when it comes to trusting in him, when it comes to believing him to see breakthrough and healing take place in our life. If you're taking notes, the first barrier we see is this. We see Jairus confronted by the barrier of position. Everyone say position. See, verse 42 tells us that Jairus is what's known as a synagogue leader. In other words, what it means is that within the Jewish community, he is a man of status. He's a man of stature. He's a person of influence. He has a reputation, in fact, to uphold. He has a title to preserve and a view of others to maintain. His position means that he can't afford in slipping up and being seen near or even with Jesus, let alone in this moment, be seen falling at his feet, pleading for his help. See, what Jairus truly faces in this moment when it comes to the barrier of position is one which we're all familiar with. So you've got to know tonight that the barrier of position is one which we all face, and that's this, friend. It's a wrestle against pride. Will I allow my position? Will I allow my reputation? Will I allow my comfortability? Will I get, allow my knowledge to get in the way of me pressing into God with all that I have? Can I ask somebody tonight, let me ask you this, church, have you got into a place where you're living out of your own strength, your own ability, your own wisdom, your own knowledge? Are you living out of your own plan and purpose for your life? Because, friend, can I suggest to you tonight that perhaps what you've come and found yourself up against is a wrestle against pride. Pride says things like this, I don't need God because I'm doing well on my own. I know better than God. I can start to journey this path and this journey alone without him. 
I don't need that community thing that he talks about. I don't need those small group things that he talks about. I'm doing fine on my own. I know better. I can do it all on my own. Look what I've built for myself. In fact, I love this verse, Proverbs 16, verse 18. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So it might surprise some of you guys to know just by looking at me, you know, man of the cloth, sanctified, uh, that me and Steph actually, just to give you guys a bit of freedom, we get into a bit of a kerfuffle, all right? We get into some arguments. Let me tell you, she's the ram. I'm the innocent lamb. Uh, and we get into these, into these very heated conversations, all right? We butt heads a lot. Now, if you're like me, you realize halfway through that conversation and that disagreement that actually you yourself were wrong, uh, but you don't back down from that position of wanting to be right and wanting to be in control of that situation because, friend, that in itself is called pride. See, hear me tonight. Pride at its heart will exalt oneself above any other. Friend, don't allow pride tonight to exalt yourself, your plans, your will, your emotions above that of God's. Here's the truth. The resolution then to pride is this. It's humility. Jairus, though a man of highly regarded position within his community, one who was relied upon himself, he comes before Jesus. He takes on a position of humility, laying at his feet. He lays down every bit of pride. He surrenders it all, throws himself in desperation at the feet of Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I need your help. Can I encourage somebody tonight? Don't give pride first place in your heart. Friend, lay it down. Surrender every bit of pride, every bit of self-effort, and take up a position of humility. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 7 says this. Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Come on, somebody. His power is truly made perfect in weakness. It's not in our strength. It's not in our ability. It's not in our wisdom. It's not in our knowledge. It's not in our title. It's not in the things that we're trying to preserve for ourselves. Our, his power is made perfect in our weakness. So can I encourage somebody tonight? Come with a position and a posture of humility. The second barrier that we see tonight is this. We see Jairus confronted by the barrier of tradition. Everyone say tradition. See, understand this tonight. As a synagogue leader, part of Jairus' responsibility was the organization and the instruction of worship. See, what you've got to understand is, although in culturally and traditionally, and in fact more so for Jairus as a religious leader, was this understanding that you do not bow your knee before any other, but only before God. Can I ask you tonight, friend, what was it that Jairus saw in Jesus? See, in this moment, Jairus surrenders it all, throws it all on the line to come and bow down before him, before Jesus, and submit to him. So can I submit to you that perhaps tonight, as he caught sight of the king, he bowed his knee, knowing that he was in the presence of God. Here's the truth tonight. Friend, tradition will always disable you from pressing into God. See, what does tradition look for all of us like in the 21st century? Well, can I perhaps suggest to you that what it looks like is a life and, and faith which is lived out in autopilot. See, doesn't tradition then sound awfully a lot like religion? See, here's the truth tonight. If you always do what you've always done, come on, somebody, you always get what you always got. 
You know, I love worship. I love worship. I've always loved worship. I used to be a worship leader, in fact, in our church, uh, but they gave me the silent redundancy where I made it from the stage down to the front seat. <laughs> Never invited me back, okay? I love worship. And uh, my car, I call my car the secret place because I love to bout out worship music. Right, I'll tune my stereo all the way to my FM. Sorry, Life FM, not about that life anymore, right? Sanctified, healed, delivered. I love to tune that thing to worship music. You'll find me harmonizing, you'll find me singing at the top of my lungs. Don't expect it from me tonight, all right? Uh, but I bout out those worship songs. But have you ever noticed, friend, whenever you start to worship, you go from a place of singing, from a place of recognizing the weight, value, and meaning of the words in which you're throwing your weight behind to a place of just singing another song. See, what's the difference? When I worship, what I recognize is the weight, the value, and the meaning of the words which I'm placing my weight upon. When you start to shift, you start to shift into a place of singing where you no longer recognize the weight, value, or meaning. See, often things in our life with God, friend, can I encourage you, without weight, value, and meaning become religious activity over relational intimacy. Where in your life today, can I encourage you, where in your life today have you started to live your life and faith by words and actions that no longer appreciate the weight, value, and meaning? Has time in the word, has your intentions within worship, has your posture towards serving, has your time in praying become about religious activity over relational intimacy? See, I love that within our services that we're unashamedly about pointing people towards Jesus. At the end of every service, we give people an opportunity to come and say yes to Jesus, to give their life to him and say yes to him. But let me ask you tonight, when you celebrate, when you clap for those people who gave their life to God, are you, are you clapping out of tradition or does salvation still hold weight, value and meaning? Friend, think about the time that you said yes to Jesus, that you gave your heart to him. Think about the moment and the weight and the value and the meaning of that moment. Friend, when you clap for those people, are you doing it out of religious activity or are you doing it out of relational intimacy? See, I pray tonight that we wouldn't be a people who lose perspective, but be a people who hold weight, meaning, and value in all areas of our faith. Barrier of tradition. The third one is this, the barrier of delay. Everyone say delay. So I can only imagine in Jairus' situation, I can only imagine him making it through all those crowds, pressing through all the multitudes, finally getting to Jesus and being like, Jesus, I finally get to you, let's go. And they start to walk on this journey back to his house to save his little girl. All of a sudden, this lady comes with her issues and she pushes him away and she's like, Jesus, Jesus focuses his attention on her. If, it, if I was in Jairus' shoes, I would have no humility. I'd be like, lady, you've had this issue for 12 years. My 12-year-old daughter has issues. Uh, maybe yours could wait in another 12 minutes. Just move over to the side. We're on the way to do something. Please leave your name and number and I'll get back to you after the beep. Um, but here is, here is Jairus left waiting. Jesus is stopped in his track by this woman with this issue of blood. See, I bet every single one of us tonight are familiar with delays, familiar with the notion of waiting. Perhaps like me, you wait on your wife at Kmart, or maybe you've waited on your visa. Man, I'm really picking on my wife tonight, all right? Waiting on promotion, waiting on unanswered prayers, waiting on a healing, waiting on a breakthrough. Why is Jairus now left waiting? Jesus, why have you left Jairus waiting? You've got to know tonight that Jesus allows this divine disruption only to increase Jairus' faith. See, look at the parallels between each story. Here's a 12-year-old girl waiting for her miracle. 
And here is a woman with an issue of the last 12 years who finally gets healed by Jesus. See, in Jairus' heart, he could have let that uh, situation disrupt him, could have let that uh, disruption dissuade him from believing Jesus for that miracle. But what do we see? We see his faith increase. God, if you can do it for that 12-year-long issue, you can do it for my 12-year-old daughter. See, it's a moment to build faith. Jesus was just demonstrating to Jairus this, if I could heal this woman, then I can heal your daughter. There are people in this room tonight, and you have been in a season of waiting, you've felt delayed, and I feel the Lord saying to you tonight, would you look on at what I can do? Would you look at what I've done? Because you need to know today that, friend, the waiting, that waiting was only ever meant to increase and grow your faith. You've got to understand tonight, delays are not denials. See, understand that your faith isn't built on outcome. Your faith is built on a faithful God. Come on, somebody, if he's faithful, if he promised it, he's faithful to fulfill it. God will bring his things to pass in his perfect timing. The barrier of delay. The fourth thing that we see is this, the barrier of death. Everyone say death. Verse 49 tells us that while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and he said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. I really felt tonight, perhaps you've held a dream, a vision, a hope, and expectation that was once alive but now feels prematurely dead in its pursuit. Friend, I'm here to remind you tonight that John 11 verse 25 says this. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Friend, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. See, where you may have seen an end to something, God sees a new beginning. Where you may have seen an end to the road, God sees a new journey ahead. Friend, where you thought that the dream had died, God says, I'm breathing new life onto it. See, God is saying tonight, will you trust me? Will you allow my perfect will to be established in your life? See, it might look dead and hopeless in its tracks, but he's the God of all hope. You've got to understand today that it is only by death that we see Jesus, we only see him as the resurrection and the life. The fifth and final thing is this, what we see Jairus come up against is this. It's the barrier of unbelief. Luke chapter nine, verse 52 to 53. Well, meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, she's just sleeping. They laughed at him knowing that she was dead. So you can probably think of people in your life, now let's be honest, you can probably think of people in your life where you would run 100 miles from having a conversation with that person. You know, if you get into a conversation with that person, you're just never leaving the church after services. None of us, because it's Elam. We love everyone. It's a home for everybody, all right? But you can think of those people who just feel like they just exhaust the conversation and you just feel exhausted after that. On the other hand, you can think of people who refresh your soul. You can think of people who, if you have a conversation with that person, I'm leaving there with a whole lot more faith than where I walked in. See, can I suggest to you, sometimes it's not your unbelief but it's the unbelief of those who are around you. Jairus and this little girl were surrounded by people, but they were surrounded by, pe by people who didn't carry faith to see that miracle happen. Can I ask you today, are you a carrier or are you a barrier? Are you a carrier of faith or are you a barrier of unbelief? Are you life-giving or are you life-exhausting? Friend, do you carry faith today to see things happen in the people around you? I want to ask you tonight, are there people in your world that are holding you back from stepping into what God's calling you to do? See, I find it interesting that of the many people that were present on that day, Jesus chooses. 
In fact, he was deliberate as to who would enter that same room to see that miracle happen of that little girl being raised from the dead. I wonder today if God's maybe saying to you or some of you feel like you need to choose some people who will make it into the room with you and those who need to watch on as God does his thing. How do you decide? Well, friend, can I encourage you? This is how you decide who makes it into the room. Choose people and friendships that are willing to do everything to bring you closer to Jesus and put distance between you and those who don't. I love this. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we're faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny who he is. Can I encourage us today? Let's be a people who in the face of unbelief stand and believe God at his word. Can we be a people today who declare and believe and remind ourselves of who he is? It's the barrier of unbelief. See, at every turn of Jairus' story, he faces barriers. He faces the barrier of position, the barrier of tradition, the barrier of delay, the barrier of death, and the barrier of unbelief. And if you're in this moment thinking, yeah, Kaylin, you've told us the problem. I've got many issues. I've got problems. How do I sort it out? Well, where do I begin in overcoming these barriers in my faith? Well, just this morning, I was driving home from church, and I was reflecting, praying, having a moment with God. Um, and I asked God, God, is there anything in my life at this moment that's getting in my way of my relationship with you? And obviously, God showed me a million things. Uh, but as I was praying, as God was starting to highlight some of those things to me, I just started to sing those words. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, where it's all about you. It's all about you. Here's the truth. Here's the answer for us tonight. Friend, in that moment, I was reminded, I have a savior. Friend, you need to be reminded tonight, whether you've been work, walking with the Lord for two seconds or walking with him for 200 years, we have a savior. And if we have a savior, then friend, all we need to do is surrender. See, he's a savior. He'll save you from your unbelief. He'll save you from that position and pride. He'll save you from your tradition. He'll save you out of those delays and he'll save you from that place of death. You have a savior, and therefore, friend, you need to begin with surrender. He could have given up, but at every barrier, he kept going, he kept believing, he kept knowing the one who walked with him, knowing that Jesus was with him every step of the way. I'll finish with this if the band would join me. Now, I had to ask myself as I read over this story, if Jairus' daughter was dead, then why does Jesus say that the little girl was only sleeping? This is beautiful. Friend, the answer is in what Jesus does next. See, Jesus sits down beside this girl. He takes her by the hand and he says, little girl, wake up. In the original language, the Aramaic, he says, Talitha kum. Talitha is this word meaning little girl, but it doesn't truly convey or give us a sense of what Jesus is tru truly saying. See, Talitha is this word of intimacy. It's a diminutive endearment as if a mother speaking to her little girl. A better rendering, in fact, would be this understanding, honey, sweetie, darling. Kum, which is better translated, which means arise. Jesus is doing what a child's parent would do on any sunny morning. He sits down. He takes her by the hand. He says, Talitha Kum, honey, sweetie, darling, it's time to get up. And she does. See, Jesus in this encounter and by his actions is stating, friend, if he has you by the hand, then death itself is nothing but sleep. Well, can I say that again? If Jesus, friend, has you by the hand, then death itself is nothing but sleep. You know, over the last six months, me and Steph have been journeying, and um, we were at the beginning of this year, we were 
pre- she was pregnant. And we got excited. We told our church we're 12 weeks ahead on the journey. And we got to the 20-week mark and we went to the ultrasound place. And in that moment, everything came to a halt. Everything came to a stop as we were told that the heartbeat had unfortunately stopped beating. And we were looking at names. God, how can we name this? How can we give, this, give you all the glory through this? Because how many people know in that moment that could have become a barrier to our faith? And I just started to read through this story again with my little girl. And we were just reading through it. And I was like, Talitha Kum, what does Talitha Kum mean? And so we found out that it meant this. And so we named our little girl that had passed away or that we'd miscarried. We'd named her Talitha Kum. Because here's what I know today. I might not be the smartest person, might not be the brainiest in the room. I repeated year 14. That's another story for itself. But here's what I know, friend. Here's what I believe to be true. Here's what I know the word of God says. Friend, if I have you by the hand, Jesus says, death itself is nothing but sleep. Death itself is nothing but sleep. You can go ahead and clap for that tonight. Here's the truth tonight. Friend, if you were to breathe your last today, where would you breathe in yours? See, I've got a word. I know the word of God says this. If we breathe our last here on earth, we breathe our next in eternity. There's hope for every single one of us. With every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, I'd love to pray for two things. Firstly, I just really want to pray for a moment of surrender because I really believe tonight that as I've talked about these barriers to our faith, there's some people who need to begin to lay stuff down. So I'd love to pray for you. God, I thank you for every single person. Lord, anyone that this message has spoken to tonight. God, wherever there's been barriers, wherever there's been things that we've placed in priority to our relationship with you, God, in this moment, we choose with confidence and boldness to lay it at your feet. God, we thank you that your word says that we can come confidently before your throne. And so I do, oh God, just bring this church before your throne. Lord, I bring every single person before your throne. And God, whatever barrier we may be facing, God, we choose today to lay it at your feet. Pour out your heart, pour out your grace, pour out your mercy on us, we pray. Still with every head bowed and every eye closed. Now, friend, we never like to close our service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to come into relationship with him. If you were to breathe your last here on earth, where would you spend your eternity? Here's the truth today. You were created on purpose for a purpose. You were created for relationship with God. You were created for him for life and life in abundance. But the reason we don't experience these things is because of this word called sin. Sin is this. Sin is to miss the mark. Sin's to choose our ways above God's ways. Again, pressing us back into that pride thing. But here's the truth. Friend, the Bible says that the wages or the penalty of that sin, the result of that sin is death. You and I were dead in our sins. But our loving Heavenly Father, with all His grace, His mercy and His love, didn't want to leave us in, this, in that place. So what He did was this, He sent Jesus. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that He's Lord, then we can have forgiveness for our past, a new life today, and hope of eternity with Him. So in a moment, I'm going to count down from three, and if you're saying, Kaylin, count me in that prayer, include me today. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to give my life to Him. All you need to do is lift your hand nice and high so I know who it is that I'm praying for today. Awesome. Well, I'm going to jump back straight into it. Three, God loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Two, he's standing at the door of your heart saying, would you let me in? One, friend, if that's you today, would you mind lifting your hand nice and high so I know who it is I'm praying for? If you're saying, Kaylin, I want to say yes to Jesus, count me in that prayer. Awesome. A couple of hands all across this place. 
Is there anyone else saying, yes, Caitlin, help me in that prayer. I want to know Jesus today. I want to leave this place changed. Awesome. Well, church, I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you've made that decision today, you can pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart, but I'd love to pray for you. Jesus, we confess today that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Today, I turn from sin and turn to you. I give you my whole life, everything. I surrender it all, holding nothing back. Today, I make you the Lord of my life and my Savior. Thanks to you, today's a new day, and I'm set free in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, let's put our hands together and celebrate every single person who said yes to Jesus today. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.